Welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council. Now, this program is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts across the economy share insights on how business works. And then also, they give us a deep dive into the biggest stories in business and policy. And our guests, as always, will make bold predictions across various sectors they exist in the economy. Now, today we're going to be discussing a very interesting conversation, very close to my heart because it's an area that I've I've dwelt and I still dwell, and that's building relationships in business. Our guests will give an overview of how U.S. corporations build relationships in private and public sectors without uh, flouting or impeding on their core values, and, and also even using that to drive revenue growth indirectly and, and, and sometimes directly. So this is the area of what we call government relations. And um, I know once upon a time, someone asked me, uh, because when I, I played at some past life, I played government relations and was into sales and was into key account management. And I said, look, um, see the job of a government relations person as, um, you know, if you look at an egg, um, that the government relations part of the job is the shell of the egg. And there's no way the egg, which really stands as the, the business, can survive without the egg, the, the egg shell. So, and the president laughed, but indeed that is the truth. Uh, according to a 2011 survey conducted by McKinsey Global, um, the said managing government relations for the future shows that quality government relations um, allows a government to um, have, allows the company to have collective voice to be heard. And as a result, both the government officials and regulators receive honest information, enabling them to make informed decisions. So uh, if you don't share feedbacks with government, if you do not engage government in a way, a manner that makes sense, you know, then you're not able to have these informed decisions that will po positively impact on the business environment. So um, just before we continue, would um, kindly request that you join us on at ABC Council underscore NG um, on Twitter. And also the hashtag to use is hashtag how business works. Now, joining me today is one very interesting uh, person you'd like to, to hear about, uh, Mrs. Temitokpe Iluyemi. Um, she's a Technically, it's the one I call Oreore. She's my very good friend. Um, she is the Senior Director of Global Government Relations for Africa at Procter & Gamble. Now, Timmy Topper started her early career as a pharmacist. Uh, she joined Procter & Gamble way back uh, in 1998 in Nigeria as an account executive in the sales function. And since then, she has cut out a very fantastic um, career path for her um, striding through several roles within the organization. So um, today she heads 48 uh, countries in the area of government relations. And and not only that, the, the more interesting thing, and that's how it shows her versatility, uh, Tokpes sits on the board of directors for Procter & Gamble in Nigeria. She is on the advisory board of Montserrado Holdings in Netherlands. Um, she, she, she also... Um, is on the board of the Corporate Council for Africa. She chairs the Task Force on Trade Facilitation at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce 
and you know and and it's endless you know her, her, her roles um outside of the organization in terms of you know leadership are incredible um so Tammy Tokwek welcome to the show thank you very much Margaret uh it's a real honor and pleasure to be here with you and thank you for your kind introduction yeah thank you I I know you we we like being coy about what we do right but at the end of the day um we 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 actually set the tone and I'm I'm really happy that you're here so so first of all can you share with those listening um at home your experience working in the FMCG space and the transition into government relations when I mean FMCG fast-moving consumable goods for those who um kind of worry about sometimes uh you know um abbreviations and mnemonics Yes, thank you very much, Margaret. Uh, Procter & Gamble is in the sector called the fast-moving consumer goods, so FMCG, uh, like you said. As you may be aware, we produce a number of uh, world-class brands you know, that target health and hygiene. So brands like Pampers, Diapers, Always Sanitary Pads, Aerial Detergent, Safeguard Soap, Oral-B, Toothpaste and Toothbrush, and several along um, that, stap that staple. We certainly believe in you know, doing business by doing good, um, for sure. So we have our mantra, which is we are a force for good and a force for growth. Everything that we do is geared towards ensuring that you know, we delight our consumers you know, with our product as well as with the programs that we initiate in our, in our communities. Um, as you said, I did start out as a pharmacist. Uh, the study of pharmacy is quite versatile. You, uh, you know, you are taught several aspects, which is which includes trade, which includes legal, which includes business aspect of um, pharmacy. So it's very broad. So I'm actually quite privileged to have had that broad experience. Um, I practiced very shortly as a pharmacist, and then I joined uh, Procter and Gamble in the sales function, uh, which. Again, as a pharmacist, this is also not strange because we have med reps who then take the medicines that are produced by pharmaceutical companies to doctors, detail um, to them about the drugs. And at the end of the Absolutely. day, it's a, it's a sales job. Mm -hmm. So I was quite still within my niche uh, in sales, but it wasn't purely sales. You know, it's graduated into business development for our distributors, for our big uh, multinational chains. And I did that across several countries in Africa already. So Nigeria, Togo, Ghana, and South Africa, where I spent the bulk of my, of my career. And, you know, one thing led to the other. The company offered me several opportunities to build my strengths. You know, so I had exposure to several functions. I was also head of the supply chain operations for West Africa before I moved into external relations. You know, I moved into external relations as a matter of personal interest. Um, it was an area that I was unfamiliar with and I just wanted to learn. So I've always been adaptable and I like, um, I like new experiences, you know, where I can get my creative juices flowing, be able to crack something that maybe hasn't been thought about before. And I find I discovered about myself that I'm just not the kind of person to just follow a, um, you know, a, a, a brochure or you know, a manual <laughs> thing. 
which you know is is required in certain rules like in the supply mm. chain you need to do it in this way there's a manual for everything and there are other spaces like sales like you know government relations where a little bit more creativity actually that can can help you so that was the juice uh for me i didn't actually expect it to be what it eventually turned out to be uh, because i didn't understand it at the beginning but you know, as I got into the practice of government relations, learning the processes, learning the politics, you know, and you know, getting building relations, key relations that actually to help drive key business results, you know, I became really engaged and I realized this was something that you know I thoroughly enjoyed. And of course, if you enjoy something, you'll be very good at it. So that has been um, my journey. Uh, as you know, I you know started up from Nigeria, but I cover um, Africa uh, for government relations for Procter and Gamble at the moment. Fantastic. You know, one thing you or two things actually that you said resonated. One, the fact that, you know, um, you need a specific kind of juice or juices, what I, you know, in formal terms, they mean competences for the role to be able to run into a role and do it well. And secondly, you know, to do something, to do a job you enjoy and get results out of it. Uh, you know, this, I believe we can take this offline someday and see how we can use this to um, work with a, a lot of young people who are uh, trying to find out what they want to do with their career, how they want to run the career in the future, um, that they need certain kinds of uh, juices, to use your word, to be able to um, to run their, their, their show. So um, again, just moving back to your role at, in Procter & Gamble, um, can you um, share the relevance of government relations to the business um, and how it has impacted Procter & Gamble's business in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, thank you. And Margaret, like you said um, earlier on, I certainly agree with you. It would be nice to share these experiences with the younger ones as they come up. I know it's a, some, you know, the choice of profession is something a lot of young people still grapple with. So I'm with you there um, whenever we get um, to that stage. Fantastic. And Thanks. And to your question about the relevance of government relations to, to business, um, it has evolved over the years. I have to say that PNG was among the first set of companies to internalize the practice of government relations into the, its company uh, in the early 60s back in the in the US. Uh, you may have heard about Bryce Harlow. So he started the practice of government relations within corporate um, settings. Now, this was born out of, you know, every time, you know, we had to deal with the government policy, we'd have to go out there and get um, a consultant whom, first of all, we have to brief about our company, our policies, the way we like to do things, what we can do, what we cannot do before we even get into the nitty gritty of the work. And as you also know, uh, the practice of government relations is quite uh, nimble. You need to be agile because things change very fast and you really need um, to be there. So we decided to bring in government relations in-house because we see it as a key business driver. Over the years, now we're talking over so many years since we internalized uh, government relations, we actually only had government relations in Africa uh, for less than 15 years, le less than 15 years now. And over that period, the role and the contribution of government relations has changed significantly. Across Africa and across so many other countries around the world, you have a lot of um, government intervention that can make 
or my your business. So government policies around, you know, how you do business, how you do your registrations, what you can engage on, what you cannot engage on, the things that affect your bottom line. So taxation, you know, whether it's rightly done or wrong or, or incorrectly done, these are things that businesses can influence. One key thing that we need to understand is as businessmen, we are the ones who really understand what drives business. The government is there to make enabling policies and create an enabling environment to help business thrive. So if business people are not actively engaged with government, then we leave government or whoever is there to make policies the best way they, they see fit without mm -hmm. having been in that business themselves. So really, I encourage all business people to ensure that they you know, create this function if they don't have it already, because whether you like it or not, you know, the government is agencies are sitting there and making laws that impact your bottom line, that impacts your employees, that impacts the type of business and how you do your business. So this is um, this is what we do. We don't just sit on the sidelines and we're not here to complain at all. We see ourselves as a part of the solution. We mm -hmm. engage with government to shape the policies for tomorrow. So, and there are several examples. There was a period where we seconded one of our supply chain experts to the uh, PEP office of the PEBEC for over a period of two years as they were developing policies around the supply chain. And it made a big difference where we know that what we're getting at the end of the day was business friendly or business usable, you know, um, at the end of the day. So. We, we do a lot of that, you know, providing technical um, assistance uh, to governments. We've been engaged also in the um, trade facilitation uh, process, you know, um, ensuring that the agencies that were working on these programs were aware of the impact of each of these decisions on businesses and what business is looking for. So we help them to understand this. We share our best practices. And, you know, we try to create, you know, a win-win environment for at policy level as well as uh, business level. So it's a key business strategy um, for us as an integral part of our business. Fantastic. You know, you know, one of the things I would like um, for us to also take home and perhaps take to um, owners of businesses is, is this um, thoughts you have shared, the whole a bit about the role of government relations uh, because uh, sometimes in organizations when they are downsizing or right sizing the first thing they think is oh let's take um these yeah. people who are not uh, you know core uh, sales commercial functions commercial yeah. functions you know these support functions let's you know weed them out not knowing that you know these are really the like i said these are the eggshells that without this this business they egg the yolk cannot even thrive and 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 you know the, the actual proactive nature of this uh, this you know you do not you're not just reactive okay something happens today you you know you you, you shape the policy i like the word because that is very integral in in the role of government relations shaping the policy through collaboration engagement and partnerships strategic partnerships they are very critical and so, uh, and the typical example you, you shared with Pebec is, is, is a solid one uh, to show how working with government can, can help drive the business in a positive way. Because at the end of the day, you cannot dictate to government on what they should do. 
but you know, um, engaging and working with them would show them through best practices that this is how you know governments work. And talking Absolutely. about governments, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I see that you know you cover forty-eight countries, and even before then, you covered more than forty-eight countries. How have you been able to acclimatize with the different cultures and governments? And um, you know, uh, there's always a joke when. People outside of Africa say we are going to Africa, and I will say which country in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what are you talking about? Yeah, different governments in Africa. So, but do you really see something in common? You know that these governments have, and overall governments that you have dealt with have with the Nigerian government when you're engaging them. Uh, Yes, thanks again, uh, Margaret. Also, just to close off on your last uh, conversation, you know, any company that is still out there thinking of functions like, you know, government relations as ancillary functions, I have not done a deep dive into what really affects their business. If nothing has made that obvious, I think the instance of COVID should have made that even more apparent. Most businesses would have shut down last year, if not for the impact of government relations teams around the true, world. True, so, true talk, true talk. Yeah. So mm. to answer your question about acclimatizing to uh, different cultures, you know, and, you know, how we handle uh, government relations across a wide expanse of, of countries, for me, it's really about understanding your audience. You know, do you really know who uh, you are dealing with and who you are addressing? What are their pressure points? You know, what are their aspirations this is something that we do very well you know starting with our own understanding of the consumer i take this and then i translate it because i my the the bulk of my career was in sales so when i joined government relations you know and i understood the ropes of it i realized it's another sales function the difference is when i was in sales i was selling a product with all the apparent benefits Now, in this case, I am selling ideas and concepts uh, to government, you Mm -hmm. know, in in fields where it's not always tangible and sometimes the benefit is not always clear. My job as a government relations person is to make sure that I can find a win-win solution for government in my proposal as well as for business. So when you understand your audience, which is the government, you understand their focus areas, you know, what they're interested in, I translate that back into what is important for business, and then I make it a priority um, for, for governments. At the end of the day, I give a reason for governments to want to do um, something about the um, issue that I have raised. While it's an issue for me, it becomes a benefit for them if uh, they do it. So it's you need to also utilize very strong um, communication. Speaking in the, in their language is what I call it. Um, speaking in their language could be that you actually do speak their language. So if you're in a French, French country, you don't start by saying good morning, bonjour. Okay. So, but speaking in their language, really what it means is you're speaking in such a way that it addresses the other party's real needs. So if um, a government um, uh, a government has a desire to close um, certain aspects of the SDGs, can you provide a solution that helps that particular agency meet that need? In meeting that need, you will be solving your own issue while they can make progress 
on their issues as well. So for me, it's about thinking about what the other person really needs and then tying it into uh, the business objective. I call it finding the sweet spot between mm. my needs and their own yeah. needs. So that way, I I get less and less res, uh, you know restrictions or rejections in the proposals that I make to government. And this cuts across so across all cultures. Everybody wants to win. If you're helping them win, there is no way they will not be taking your um, your ideas. Yeah. <laughs> sweet spots, uh, some of us say, is soft underbelly that makes them tick, tickle. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, it works. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, so uh, next question, um, uh, you know, thinking through a lot of things in my mind, but I think this is one question that I would like um, you to answer, uh, you know, knowing full well that uh, U.S. Uh, corporates and U.S. Uh, companies um, like to do a lot of great business deals, uh, but they also like to do very clean business and are guided by FCPA laws. So how have you been able to adhere to the policy despite the challenges of doing business in Africa? And specifically, if you're able to share an example of one great success story, um, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. Thanks, Margaret. Like you said, we're guided by the FCPA and so many um, other laws. Also, as an American company, we are you know, bound by the laws in the U.S. as well as the laws in the countries where we operate. So it gives you really, really um, you know, tight margins. But above all that, beyond laws and legislations in any country, we have our company culture. We have what we call our purpose, values, as well as principles. This is a standard that you know cuts across all cultures, all countries, all communities. Anywhere there is a PNG, we are guided by these principles and our values as well as our purpose. So this alone makes it is what actually guides our decisions and you know takes precedence in everything you do. So if you find a more, if there is an SOP. Um, a standard operating procedure for operating a business by PNG anywhere, you will find the same thing irrespective of the country you go, whether it's a least developed country or a most developed country. So that's one of the ways that we've been able to operate. Now, over time, people have, you know, we have built a strong reputation as a result of that. Uh, People understand who we are, that the, the laws by which we are guided and the values which we uh, try to uphold to the table. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, anywhere we operate. In fact, you know, if I feel um, uncomfortable in any situation that I find myself, the first thing I do is tell you about my principles and values. These are the things <laughs> that I can do, and this. so that already puts you. That already creates is a setting of which we're going to operate. So I I lay my standards out very transparently. This is me. This is how we're going to do this, or we're not going to do it at all. So. Over time, you know, we are recognized for that. As a matter of fact, we won several awards as being the most compliant, either as a taxpayer or as a customs um, operator. So we've won several awards because, you know, we we will not cut any corners. It's challenging. Um, it's costly. It can cause delays. But one thing I can assure you is that by being collaborative and by helping the other party also improve their processes you we know we can we can get things done so i I realize also realize that several governments in several countries so if you are looking at similarities between the african governments is 
they want to learn. They want to learn the best practices. So if you are offering knowledge, if you are offering competency, you know, they will be collaborative uh, with you. So there's nothing else really for us. There's nothing else um, to it. And, you know, in terms of an example, uh, one story that I'd like to share is that we were behind. We, 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 we produce sanitary pads, you know, uh, you know, which women use, uh, you know, as part of menstrual hygiene. We produce mm -hmm. this in many, many, many countries. But because we produce this, we run very detailed studies around the habits and practices um, wow. of girls as well as of women. So we have a very deep understanding of what a woman's needs are. As from the time she started her periods, which we call menage, till the time you know she stops, we understand all these different stages. We understand the changes she goes through in her mind and her body. We understand her aspirations and we understand her challenges. So with this knowledge, we build this knowledge one into our product design, but more importantly, we also then devise programs that will help us, you know, help women and girls in several places overcome several of these challenges. With this knowledge, we have partnered with several international organizations like, you know, uh, UN Women, like the UNICEF, like UNESCO, you know, to help empower women and improve access to education. Studies have shown that, you know, uh, several girls do not go to school. They drop out of school uh, when they start their periods because they don't have access to quality uh, menstrual hygiene hygiene products. This led us to start off the Always Keeping Girls in School program. But the problem is huge. So while we can reach a few girls, maybe another pro company can also reach a few girls, we decided, look, we need a much bigger intervention, you know, and this can only come through policy interventions. So we started talking to government. So in Nigeria, we started engaging uh, with the government, with Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Trade and Investment, Ministry of Women Affairs on how can we improve access to sanitary pads for girls? you know, on, you know, on a much more sustainable uh, yeah. basis than, you know, giving a free thing here and there. So we worked with them, provided a lot of data, provided support, you know, embarked on our own programs as well, expanded our Always Keeping Girls in School program. And a lot of these inter uh, interactions with the support of several women groups has led to the removal of VAT, 7.5% cost on sanitary products. Um, across Nigeria. It's an intervention that you know we're very we're very proud of because it's not something that we're doing for us, but it's something that we've done for um, the entire country, all the women and girls um, across Nigeria. Anybody, any manufacturer um, can utilize that particular um, policy. And it was it was a process that took time that required us to present a lot of data. So without cutting any corners, we went through all the different uh, processes. We put our own skin in the game by expanding our Always Keeping Girls in School program just to show the size of the problem. And I'm really, really glad that Nigeria has joined the League of Progressive Nations when it comes to menstrual hygiene management. This is this is just good to, to note. And I'm happy that you're able to share a tangible um, example of how this um, helps uh, the the role of building relationship can actually help drive you know business growth and also drive you know something that is critical and relevant to the different stakeholders different stakeholders in 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 um, the country as well. Uh, sadly, we have come to the end of the show. Uh, you can yeah, I mean, I, I but I you know the more we talked about it, the more I I heard a lot of things that I believe. Um, uh, really, really of great value that we can we can actually 
um, amplify outside of this, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So uh, it was it was great um, having you on the show, uh, Timmy Talkway. Very very great having you on the show. So. Thank you very much, Margaret. And I think um, it's quite inspiring that, you know, you're leading this podcast and we're able to share ideas and also learn from other people's um, experiences. So you can't do business in Nigeria uh, without any, you know, without too many issues. It's not without challenges, but you can do uh, business with at high standards also in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always say I always say that um, doing business in Nigeria is getting getting a diamond, you know, um, in some in some in the midst of thongs. You may bleed, but you get it if you have a, a, a clear plan and you're strategic about it. And now be able to build strategic business relationships that can help drive that um, as well. So that once more, thank you. Um, so to our guests at home and to our listening audience at home, really. Um, we've come to the end of this show we've come to the end of this episode I would like you to listen up for the next episode same time on Tuesday May 25th thank you for listening